0: Hey there, what I thought we would do today is I would present to you a sample from my online course, Applied Developmental Psychology. So you can go ahead and enroll in the course. Just follow the link somewhere in the description for this video. Otherwise, sit back and enjoy this sample talk. All right. So here we are with the next major model in this course. And this is the Enneagram. So there are nine types. And this is most commonly used as a personality analysis model. But we're sort of going a bit deeper with this. And we're going to turn this into a bit of a developmental model, which is actually what it was more traditionally used as. So we'll get into that. But to first begin with, I thought I would just tell a little story, a little anecdote about a guru or a, a visionary, a consciousness visionary, who was who went by the name of George Gugiev. And he is relevant to what we're talking about with the Enneagram. So he was very eccentric, very sort of mysterious kind of teacher of consciousness and psychology. And he was always coming up with these certain stunts and these certain techniques, which would be sometimes extremely difficult to do, extremely tedious to do and sometimes very controversial very sort of against the the common crowd against the the ways of the day so it was so the story goes well the <laughs> the urban myth goes that one day the word got out that gudjif was going to be at a certain place at a certain time to be teaching, to be giving a talk. And the news went all across the town and everyone was very excited. And there was this real buzz about this time and place to finally meet the the ever mysterious Gujiv. When the time came, hundreds of people turned up and they turned up only to find that there was a note stuck on the door. That said, we've been sorry to inform you, but this meeting has been postponed. So a week goes by and the same thing happens. But of course, this time, considerably less people turn up. Now it's not hundreds of people, it's only a few dozen people. And they turn up, and sure enough, there's a note on the door, just like before, which says, I'm sorry to inform you, but this meeting has been postponed. And a week goes by, and the same thing happens, and this time, only a few people turn up. And this time, they turn up to find a note on the door, and it says, This meeting has been cancelled. Go home. Or at least words to that effect. So, a few weeks go by, and as it turned out, a few people, just a few people, turned up again. And it was when there was only two or three people that had actually turned up, that Gujif himself turned up. And he began his speech by saying, now that all those other people have gone, I can begin the work. So that gives you a little bit about the sort of person he was and He had many techniques and many ideas of consciousness that went on to influence the way of psychology, the history of psychology and consciousness and meditative practices as well. So he's very much an influential guru. And probably most notably, he had a student called Peter Ospensky. And Ospensky was instrumental in the bringing of Guji's teachings to more common knowledge because he had the ability to sort of translate it and make it more accessible in a certain way to sort of distill the ideas in ways that people could understand because because Gurdjieff was so eccentric. So Ospensky sort of took this idea from Gurdjieff which was that We have centers, and this applies to the Enneagram. And the idea is that we have centers. We each have within us a sort of general mode of operating. There's a general way in which we go about doing things. And most people are stuck in their center and they don't realize that not only do other people have a center, which is of a completely different quality, a completely different motivation, a completely different profile. But also it is possible to move your center. It is possible to bring it into something else to actually operate from a different center and to have beyond that multiple centers. So. Peter Ospensky wrote this book, which was based on his master's teachings, on Gujave's teachings. And in this book, he sort of laid out the idea that man has generally three centers, which is being action-based, being feeling-based, or being thinking-based. So a person is either predominantly concerned with the actions that they take, the things that they do, or the feelings that they have, the emotions that they experience, the feelings are what drive them, the feelings are what they're trying to regulate and so on, or a person is stuck in their head, they're thinking, they're intellectual, they're full of ideas, they're full of thoughts and the, the fourth kind that Ospensky really brought forward was that person who actually understood all three and could move between all three. And the key, or one of the important things that he pointed out to this is that it takes a tremendous amount of effort to move a center. There's actually a conscious effort that has to happen. There has to be some way of taking it on and doing techniques, experiments, practices, work. Ultimately, they called it the work to, to be able to move into multiple centers. And this is going to apply to what we're talking about with the Enneagram. Now, this thing of action, feeling, thinking is really only one division. Some people divide the Enneagram into other sort of categories, such as head, heart, and gut, right? So that's a little bit different. It's more concerned with the body. And you can say, well, the head is thinking, the heart is feeling, and the gut is action. But there are differences in that. Further still, sometimes it's divided into emotion or relational sides. So you can say that certain types, certain personality types or types of people have fear as their driving force or shame as their driving force or relational as their driving force or the external as their relation, their driving force or relational dynamic. So, There are a few different ways we can slice and dice it. And as you'll see with all of these models, as we go deeper into them, as we have it unfold and we build this picture, you'll see that it's like a tapestry, right? The threads overlap, they go in and out of each other and there's all sorts of connections. We're we're doing this in a full spectrum network thinking way. So these sorts of divisions are really just a way to get us up and running and to get us started with how the dynamics works. So to further help with a bit of an orientation as to where the Enneagram fits in, generally speaking, or most broadly speaking, it's between orange and green on our spiral dynamics model. So if you imagine the levels of spiral dynamics, then then the Enneagram is sort of sideways, right? If you go across it, if we have like two spirals, one going up and one going sideways, then then the Enneagram would be like that. Now, of course, that's really just a way to orientate ourselves to see where we're at. And it's generally speaking, how identity and ego development aligns with spiral dynamics. Other people, other psychologists would actually say that the types on the Enneagram are lines which go through spiral dynamics. So you have a type and that goes through. So that would be more like the picture we painted of lines of intelligence going through spiral dynamics. So that's just another way of doing it. Now, we can make quite a lot of fun of comparing different models and seeing how well, how does the Enneagram tie in with spiral dynamics? That's fun, that's good, we can do that. But that's a kind of tapestry we wanna really save for later on. We wanna sort of put behind spiral dynamics, just sort of put that on the back bench for a while and just turn our attention to the Enneagram and just focus on the Enneagram for this section, for this next little bit. So it is very tempting to sort of say, well, let's make some comparisons and let's sort of make this into this beautiful tapestry. And we will get to that when the time is right. But generally speaking, as we move forward, we want to spend some time just focusing on the Enneagram. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this talk. I'd just like to remind you that this is a sample that comes from my online course, Applied Developmental Psychology. So if you want to go deeper, if you'd like to find out more, you can go ahead and enroll in the course. Thanks very much. And let's get back to the talk. Now, generally speaking, there are four main reactions to the Enneagram, or there's sort of four broad textbook responses to the Enneagram. Now, the first one is, you don't know me, psychology is fake, and it's completely wrong. Now, of course, I hope you'll be on that stage. If you're listening to this, you most likely are beyond that stage. But because the Enneagram has such a great way of explaining things. And because there is so much in us that we deny of ourselves and we don't really want to take on and we really actually spend quite a lot of effort keeping out of our awareness, then when something comes in and shows us to it, there's a response. There's a knee-jerk reaction. There's a sort of repulsion. So there is always, and I mean, even more generally speaking, there is an attitude of psychology can't tell me the answers. Psychology doesn't know me. You don't really know me. Sometimes people can take it as a kind of threat on their individuality or on their sort of sacredness or on their sort of the the thing that's uniquely theirs, right? And in fact, The Enneagram even accounts for that response. So that's one general thing, but I hope we're beyond that. I hope we're mature enough at this stage to be open to it. Now, another response, the second textbook response, is that the Enneagram explains something and it becomes very clear. It becomes like, Ah, now it makes sense. Now it is understandable to me. And that's a very common response because the Enneagram does explain a lot. It's very much nested in clear dynamics between personality types, relational types, and just types of people in general. So you can have this sort of spark of self-knowledge Now, this is a kind of spoon feeding of self-knowledge. It's a kind of baby step towards self-knowledge because psychology brings us into a better understanding of ourselves in the same way that a baby is spoon-fed food from their mother. You do need to learn to pick up the spoon and feed yourself. You do need to learn to have your own self-knowledge, to have that spark of recognizing when something is explained to you and it resonates and you think, ah, yes, that makes sense. And also when something just comes along and you explain something to yourself, right? That's, the, that's, that's sort of a key skill to have when coming into self-knowledge and learning. People can tell you something about yourselves. Something Someone can t- explain something about you And it can either resonate or not and you need to understand that difference and you can explain something to yourself right you can think about yourself and it can either resonate or not resonate so that's that's a very useful dynamic to understand with the Enneagram and that will run all the way throughout it now the third major response to the Enneagram is that people get precious over it. People make an identity out of it. They become sort of cute and cozy with their type. When you discover this self-knowledge and when you see, ah, yes, I'm a type five, or ah, yes, I'm a type seven, or whatever it is, whichever type it is, then there's this general response to start saying, okay, well, now I have something to operate under. Now I have something to work with how I relate to people. Now I have something to make out of the relationships that I've got and so on. And this is a kind of stagnation. This actually is not the way in which the Enneagram is really meant to be used. It's not used as analysis. Of course, there is an analytical component to it, which is important but it's used primarily for transformation. It's used for transcendence. So if you hear someone saying, okay, well, I'm a type this, I'm a type that, then be cautious that they're not getting too cute about identifying with a certain type. You'll actually find that to varying degrees All types are within you. Fundamentally. Absolutely fundamentally. You are both. All of the types. You are every single type. And also. None of them. You are something beyond all of them. And that understanding, that dynamic of reconciling being every single type and also being none of them is really the key to the propulsion through it. It's really the developmental aspect. It's really the thing that's going to bring us from not understanding to understanding to going beyond the psychology. So that really brings me to the fourth response to spiral dynamics, the fourth major, sorry, not spiral dynamics, the, (laughs) the Enneagram, (laughs) the fourth major response. And this is sort of the attitude we want to be taking, understanding the other responses is that, okay, I've got a type, but I need to do something about it. It's almost like it's a problem that I've got a type. Now that's not to demonize what you are, that's not to say that you should be pushing something down and rejecting something within yourself because we'll get to that. We'll get to understanding repression and all of those things. But it's a problem in that you need to change. You need to develop. You need to actually do something about this and move on to another part of the the enneagram the levels so there's a few different attitudes that can help bring that along and move that along and we'll be discussing those as we go along they'll be changing here and there but generally speaking you want to be saying okay I've got a type how do I move out of that into another one so a good way to say that or a good a good sort of general attitude is not Which type am I? That's sort of the beginner's attitude. The more advanced attitude is, how can I adopt the qualities and the modes of being from every single type? And really, if you were to go deep on this, it would be like spending time on each type. How do I be a perfectionist and spend a couple of weeks on it. You could spend a month on it. Okay, this month, I'm gonna be a perfectionist. or well, this month, I'm gonna be the challenger. What does it mean to be a challenger? This month, I'm gonna be a specialist. I'm just gonna specialize in one thing. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, this month, I'm gonna be a helper. What would that look like? What sort of things would you do? What sort of things would you focus on? What would you think about if you were always concerned with helping others? It's very different to being the challenger or being the specialist, isn't it? And the meta skill is I'm eventually going to go around all the types and I'm going to be taking them on so that I can learn all of them, see how each of them sit within me, and then transcend. I'm going to transcend all of this and move beyond this. Now to say that all types are within you is true, but conversely, you do have sort of a central type. You do have a kind of type that you'll, you'll generally be in most of the time. And really that's the one you need to contend with the most. It's the one that will be most natural for you. So we do still all have a type. We all still have that primary type we could say, but on a higher level, which is what we're wanting to get at. This is what the point of this is. We're trying to see how all the types tie in together within ourselves. And that sort of brings me to another, a good little point, which is something we say again and again in psychology, which is don't be too quick to use this to judge others. Don't be too quick to analyze others or pigeonhole other people and use it as a kind of, a, a kind of condemning of other people. Because of course, it's all about you, right? We've said this again and again, it comes back to you. How can you use it for yourself, for your own personal development, for your own understanding, for your own self-knowledge? Now, Of course, there are relational dynamics and it will be quite powerful to see the Enneagram types and then see them in other people because it can click. Once you start to understand it, it clicks and you see, ah, I can see that person is this, that person is that, but We don't want to be too quick to judge. We don't want to be too quick to actually be doing that. It's all about you, come back to yourself. It's all about self-knowledge. So that's an overview of the Enneagram. And originally these types came from the seven deadly sins. And there is a famous philosophical work of Odysseus who has that story where he goes and he encounters the, the different beings or the entities and they teach him about the seven deadly sins. And then later on, two more were added on to make it nine. But now what we have is this very elaborate sort of developed thing in popular psychology. So you can go and do a test and answer certain leading questions which will... Sort of tell you what type you are and explain certain things to you, but remember, it, any test that you do is really only going to satisfy like some cute, cheap self knowledge, it's just going to give you a little spark, it's not actually going to bring you into the real transformative process, and that's what we're concerned with. So, you can do a test or you cannot do a test, but understand it's at a certain point with a certain amount of self knowledge, when you do a test, you get the results back and it will tell you what you are. And you say, well, okay, I know I know that about myself, right? You asked me about my extroversion and this was the answer. So, so how is that a surprise, right? Because I knew that. And it can be with extroversion or masculinity, femininity, relating or emotions or what center you are, head thinking, center, action center, or all the rest of it. So you can do that, but really we're just here to understand it and to get into the propulsion, right? I really like this word to be propelled through something because then you can go through it and beyond. So that will serve, I think, as a orientation for how we're going to go through the Enneagram. So keep those things in mind. We will come back to these points again and again, as we weave the tapestry. And we will also bounce around the different types you'll see. So that'll be enough. When you're ready, jump on into the first type, which is the perfectionist. Thanks for checking out this talk. I'll just remind you once again, that this comes from my online course, Applied Developmental Psychology. So if you wanna go deeper, if you really wanna get into the depths of the mechanics and the understandings and really open yourself up to these truly amazing ideas and concepts, go on ahead and enroll in the course. There'll be a link somewhere in this video or this talk where you can find out more and you can actually enroll. So thanks very much. Have a beautiful day. And I look forward to seeing you in the course.